What's going on, NFL fans? Welcome to the NFL All 32 podcast presented by Football Game Plan. I am David Hassig, and with me, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, Alex Marinoni, and Troy Anthony. Gentlemen, good morning to you all. It's been a long, long weekend of a lot of very, very strange action in the NFL. I hope you guys didn't put too much money on this weekend. I really hope you didn't. I kept it short. <laughs> kept it short. <laughs> you kept it to college ball and still... Still failed. Yes, exactly. Still failed. Uh, to call this an unexpected weekend in the NFL would be putting it mildly. We'll talk about all the scores as always. We'll talk about the state of the Dolphins, who all of a sudden have won back-to-back wins. We'll have causes for concern and reasons for optimism. Uh, some one-take rants that are always entertaining. Our Week 11 preview and the headlines we expect to see at the end of week 11 and the beginning of week 12 moving forward again folks if you want to listen back on this podcast or any podcast we have here from football game plan go to itunes or soundcloud search football game plan in the podcast section subscribe while you are there and give us a five-star rating let us know what you want to hear and don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com for all your football knowledge let's get right into the games and we'll start with thursday night the Raiders finally with a home game at home for back-to-back weeks. Uh, they take on the they took on the Chargers this week. Chargers, you know, coming off that nice high, they played well again this week, but they again fell down to the competition. And the Raiders have now gone on a little bit of a run. They went 26-24. Yeah, they're five and four on the season, playing some good football on offense. Defensively, they were able to turn the ball over. I thought they did a great job Thursday night, enforcing what three interceptions against the Chargers in that passing game. So shout out to the Raiders. Moving on to the Bears taking on the Lions. Matt Stafford, a late scratch in this one with a back injury. So the Bears got as much help as they could get, and they still almost found a way to lose it. They win 20-13. Mitch Trubisky with all three touchdowns for Chicago. Yeah, Trubisky finally coming on scene with a nice three-touchdown outing. Like you said, they still almost lose, lost it. Jeff Driscoll got the start, put up 269 in the touchdown, and it came to that last drive for the Bears finally to get the W. Whatever video game cheat code Lamar Jackson is using for his life right now, I'd like to figure out what it is because he has hit the circle button enough times where, to the fact where every defense is just spinning at the ground. The Ravens destroy Cincinnati 49-13. Perfect passing grading again for Lamar Jackson. An incredible stat line for this one. Baltimore keeps rolling 7-2. Yeah, Lamar Jackson adds to his MVP uh, campaign. Uh, my favorite part about this game was the fact that the Ravens had three Heisman Trophy winners in the backfield at the same time. The fact that they had that as a package is outstanding. Loved the Heisman it. package with the pure option pitch. I love it. Loved it. And, uh, I mean, they just added uh, – this is a big game for the Ravens. I know you're looking at o, uh, now an 0-9 Bengals team, but this is a game where you just came off a high win, as high as you can get against the New England Patriots, and then had to go on the road to a division rival, and they did what they had, they did what they had to do. They took care of them. For, I, I saw this this morning on Twitter, by the way, folks. And just to, you know, I know we've talked about Lamar Jackson a lot. Through his first 16 career starts, he has more wins than Patrick Mahomes, a higher passing rating than Tom Brady, more yards per attempt than Aaron Rodgers, a better completion percentage than Drew Brees, and on top of that, he has more rushing yards than LaDainian Tomlinson. I think he's decent at football at both running and throwing. Thank let me, you very let much. Let me jump in here because here's the thing, too. He's played 16 games, right? So not even counting off the bench. So he no counting all the games he's played or you know in in the NFL. Over thirty two hundred yards thrown the football, twenty one touchdowns, passing eight interceptions, uh, rushing he has what um, over thirteen hundred yards, eleven rushing touchdowns. So to me that sounds exactly like what he did at Louisville. 
It's like some of us could have seen it coming. Hmm, who knew? That's one full season of Lamar Jackson. Let's stick in that division. The Cleveland Browns, a shocking win for them. They go back home. They win 19-16 over Buffalo. Defense a struggle in this one. Baker Mayfield had a decent day. Both teams have really good defenses. Both teams have questionable quarterback play. You like Baker more so than Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a liability. They have to find a way to get production out of the offense because if they had any offense, they beat Cleveland. Packers had a stinker last week. They came into this week knowing they had to get a win back at home, and they had a little bit of a test with Carolina, but they get the job done. 24-16 Packers in this one. Aaron Jones with three rushing touchdowns. Packers recover nicely. Yeah, this was a good game. Another game that came down to the wire. So they were inside. The Panthers got inside the 10-yard line. It came down to the very end. Of course, Christian McCaffrey keeps going off another 100-yard day. Kyle Allen continues with his turnover game streak after not having turnovers to start off his career. But Aaron Jones, this kid is having a season right now. Another three-touchdown day from him yesterday, Sunday. Now we get into the section of the program where people started to lose money on the weekend. Atlanta taking on the Saints. The Falcons have done nothing right. They literally took their coaches this up this week, shuffled them up. You're in charge of a completely different position than where you are before that you're being paid for. And they record six sacks. They had six in the previous seven games combined, and they beat the Saints in New Orleans 26-9. to How? This Falcons <laughs> defense, man, they got after <laughs> Drew Brees. It was pretty crazy um, to make the Saints look the way they did um, not a lot of teams have been able to do no team has been able to do this uh, so very good game uh, some of us think this is the best rivalry in football a lot of us disagree <laughs> but but this definitely doesn't help the, those that disagree's case here but uh, it was definitely a shocking win and uh, I just want to throw this out there because I mentioned this two weeks ago Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have a loss this season Breeze has two. Oh, and you <laughs> notice those, those Saints uh, those, those detractors were very quiet on Sunday when it came time to talk about should Teddy be in should Teddy go into the game and throw but I'm glad you guys brought up the the which I'm call it that uh, a certain poll that I yeah, because we did a, we talked about this last episode I think we have to talk about this now and because you guys have my mentions on fire with this poll cuz normally when you put out polls it's always going to be well you don't have this like bro read the question answer the question that's in the damn poll <laughs> Obviously, we point we we brought these teams up for a reason. Yes, there's other rivalries that we're talking about, but that's not the question. And so, when we talked about this, helps out of debate. Best NFL rivalry: um, Cowboys Giants got 27 percent. Bears Packers, which I think is the most boring one out the that got the most. That it's was the most historic. It's yeah. the most it's historic, right? And it was, but that one is always legitimately puts me to sleep. Uh, that one was 61 uh, percent. I threw charges to Oakland out there because they were playing Thursday night. That one got 2%. That's the one you probably should have switched out. I should have switched with yeah. the Ravens and Steelers because that obviously is, you know, you could be, that's a good one. Right. Um, and Saints-Falcons finished third with 10%. And 714 people voted. You knew Saints-Falcons wasn't going to finish. Well, I knew. You didn't. <laughs> I think we, we knew. You did No, 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 no. I didn't think, I didn't think it was going to be dead last. As entertaining as those games are, and we just saw – would yeah. a rivalry game look like yeah. this past weekend? Right, 100%. But <laughs> it has to be – you're from New Orleans. I give you that. That has to be the reason why you thought that that might have been the best rivalry. And, again, sticking with the comments, you know, <laughs> you see, like, somebody was like, oh, Niners, Hawks. Like, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, nah. it's, no. You know, Steelers, Ravens was a lot. Obviously, that wasn't the one that everyone talked about. But, 
Um, somebody got it and was somebody said Cynthia Steelers, Cynthia and Steelers. Like what? It, it has to be a generation thing. It has like, to these, be because yeah. the Bengals used to be good. Exactly. Be. During right. the Palmer and Chad Johnson days, yes, that was a decent rivalry. And then you had the early uh, 2010s with the Steelers and the and I'm sorry, the Niners and the Seahawks. That had to be where that comment came in. But during my lifetime, the best rivalry has been. Steelers and Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah, somebody says some. Some finally, someone jumped in with a, a rational take. <laughs> I voted in your poll. We couldn't spell P O L E. <laughs> I voted in your poll, but the answer <laughs> is not one of your options. The answer is Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. Fair, but at least he voted. So <laughs> let's talk about the other, uh, the other, you know, next best rivalry. The probably the sixth best rivalry in all of it. The battle of ineptitude. The Jets versus the Giants. Uh, New York Jets. Pull off a victory, 34-27, but this was all about the Jet defense. Jets averaged 11 points a game coming to this ball game and scored 27 on the Giants. Tells you all you need to know about the Giants' defense and the issues they've had in keeping teams out of the end zone. Also, Daniel Jones' fumble is responsible for that other seven, which gave the Jets 34. Was that a fumble, or was that Jamal Adams just saying, I'm taking this from you now. That was Debo. Excuse that me. Was a, that was a Debo situation. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one here. Another game that was very entertaining. Tampa Bay taking on the Cardinals. Bucks win again, 30-27. to Jameis Winston, 300-plus passing yards in six games this season. That's tied for the most in the NFL. If he had limited the turnover, they'd be able to have a better record than 3-6. and six, But a good win for Tampa Bay. Yeah, we know that Jameis' kryptonite is turnovers, and he does it again with two interceptions, but he squeaks out the victory, throwing for over 300 yards. They finally got some production on the ground here. Both Barber and Jones got 11 carries each, also matched that with a touchdown each. But stats-wise, Kyler Murray to Chris uh, to Christian Kirk just went off. All three of Murray's touchdowns to Kirk, six catches, 138 yards, monster day for them. Tennessee taking on Kansas City. The Chiefs are in big, big trouble. They are very vulnerable right now. They got Patrick Mahomes back this weekend, but as the Titans special teams late that decided this one, Humphreys with a 23-yard with a touchdown late, and then the blocked field goal at the end of regulation from long range. Tennessee gets the win, 35-32. Will Kansas City miss the playoffs? I mean, at the way they're trending, it's not looking great. I mean, when your quarterback throws for 446 and three touchdowns and doesn't turn the ball over and you lose, it means you got a defensive problem. Uh, the Titans, nothing sexy on offense. They just did their thing. Derrick Henry did go crazy with 188 yards and two scores on the ground. Uh, and this was all... But that was all uh, really Tennessee got going for the offense, and they were able to uh, stick around, and Tannehill made some plays at the end, and like you said, Humphreys ended it, ended it in style. The year of the backup continues in Indianapolis. No Jacoby Brissett again this week. Daniel Hoyer gets another start. A defensive struggle with Miami, and the Dolphins now have won two in a row. They win 16-12. First win against the Colts since 2013 for Miami. Well, that's what the Colts get for starting Brian Hoyer at quarterback when they should have re-signed Phillip Walker, who had been on their practice squad for the last three seasons, who's now drafted into the XFL. He would have fared better against Pick City Hoyer, and that 12 points. And that was that was terrible because he threw a pick six last weekend against the Steelers. He has that issue where he doesn't feel pressure in the pocket, so he's going to take hits unnecessarily. Dolphins defense came ready to play. Speaking of those Steelers, all those fans that said the season was over about a month ago for Pittsburgh, they're awfully, awfully quiet now. They get another win, 17-12 over the L.A. Rams. The Rams are the team that maybe should be in the most trouble at this point. 
Yeah, I got to give big ups to Mike Tomlin on this one. If you tuned in last week, you heard all the praise that we were giving him and for his coaching job, and it just continued this week. You didn't see amazing play out of Rudolph, amazing play out of the running game, but it worked for the Steelers. Tomlin helped get the job done. For the Rams, Jared Goff continues to be the problem for them. 22 of 41, 243, no touchdowns, two picks. Todd Gurley arguably has one of his better games of the season, averaging 6.1 yards. But golf just couldn't get it done. And no help from Cooper Cup as well for many fantasy owners that were very, very dismayed uh, last week on Twitter. And then finally, Sunday night, Minnesota taking on the Cowboys. All right, Cowboys are back at home. They're going to get, you know, back in their home stadium. They're going to get some home cooking. They'll be fine. Vikings have been trending, you know, kind of downward the last couple weeks. Nope. 28-24 Minnesota. Dalvin Cook goes off. 33 touches, 183 scrimmage yards, and a touchdown. The Cowboys are now 5-4. and four. They're keeping everybody in this division. Yeah, I mean, just like we've been preaching, Kirk Cousins on primetime football is where it's at, and that's what he <laughs> did. <laughs> uh, it was it was honestly a great game. I mean, a lot of back and forth, uh, two playoff caliber teams just going at it. It was really, really fun. The difference here was, like you said, 183 scrimmage yards for Dalvin Cook and just 63 for Ezekiel. And, and again, if you betted anything on this week in terms of Vegas or Atlantic City or wherever you are, don't do that again because this, this NFL season, this football season in general, has just been absolutely nutty to the point where the Miami Dolphins have a winning streak of two. Not just a winning streak of one, a winning streak of two. They've won back-to-back games. This was a team that was, they're trading everybody away. They're tanking intentionally. They get rid of Minka and, you know, it, you know it, it's over. It's done. Now they've won two games in a row. What is the state of the Dolphins at this point? Because... They're still not a very good football team compared to the rest of the league, but they're trending upwards. Well, we talked about it in our college show, how much coaching matters. And you're starting to see people on that team buy into what uh, Coach Flores is selling. You know, this is a guy that has a lot of pride and talks about, you know, developing a culture there. And and it shows you that they are an NFL franchise. They have NFL players on that franchise, in that franchise, and on any given Sunday, you have an opportunity to beat another NFL team. So they're getting good play. Everybody's playing above the X's and O's right now. You're seeing guys doing the, a little bit extra. They're hustling. They're doing a great job defensively. I feel like even without those stars on defense that we saw, uh, you know, vacate like Minka Fitzpatrick, they're still playing very good team defense, and that is going to keep you in a lot of games. The offense has a little bit more life with Ryan Fitzpatrick as opposed to a lifeless Josh Rosen offense yeah. um, so they're doing enough to where they're getting wins but I think their defense quietly has had the biggest turnaround I mean you talk about the defense six interceptions since they made that trade sending Minka Fitzpatrick away so they're not playing terrible ball they're not you know blowing anybody out but it's certainly better than what it was I think they're playing way better ball than what people expected you know a lot of teams you'll see especially when they're on losing streaks like the Dolphins were to start off the season you see guys quit late in games, and that's one thing that you don't see about this Dolphins team. It's been said multiple times throughout this season by us that, one, the Dolphins are definitely better with Fitzpatrick than Rosen, and two, each and every week, they've played better and better late into games. It started off the season getting blown out from the jump, next week or a few weeks later they start playing into the second half better games closer games then they start losing it just in the fourth quarter and now they rip off two straight wins 
Yeah, what I see, um, I'm looking at interviews with Nick Needham, uh, cornerback for the Dolphins, and with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they're both saying the same thing. They're both saying they're having so much fun playing. The record does not matter. Brian Flores and that whole coaching staff, they're buying in, and they, they're just having fun playing football. And like uh, to your guys' point with Ryan Fitzpatrick and a quarterback, when you see your 36-year-old quarterback putting his shoulder down, fighting for extra yards on a pretty much a meaningless season you know yeah. when everyone else would pack it in this guy's putting his body on the line it just it reinvigorates the rest of the team that this this is fun we're playing football we're having fun and you can see um these guys are just uh they're just they're playing for more than their next job they're playing for this job because if you look yeah. at what they've done after the bye week earlier in the season before the bye week weeks one through four they were getting blown out you know they're blown out by baltimore new england blew them out cowboys blew them out and the Chargers blew them out. But after the bye week, close loss to the Redskins. They had an opportunity to knock off Pittsburgh and Buffalo. It got out of hand a little bit. Um, but they followed it up with wins against the Jets and also the Colts. So they played better since week six. Yeah. And that speaks volumes to the message that was, I guess, because everybody was talking about the tanking. Yeah. And we saw them fight hard. Against, you know, they went for two in that Redskins game to get the win and not to play for overtime. So that tells you that team is not trying to intentionally lose. And we'll see because you look at the back end, the next three games, Bills, Browns, and Eagles. If they continue to play good defense, that Bills game is going to be a tight game. That Browns game is going to be a tight game. The Eagles game is probably going to be a challenge because you have to really put points up on the board Mm. uh, to, to knock off the Eagles. So we'll see if they can get to... Four and seven going into that Eagles game, you know, yeah. now you're talking about a team that that people – here's the thing, too, because people look at the tanking part and like, oh, you, you, you don't get the number one pick. We just talked about Lamar Jackson. He went, what, pick 32? Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes went after the second overall pick uh, in Mitch Trubisky. You can find guys anywhere in the draft, difference makers. It doesn't have to be at the number one overall pick. Ideally, yeah, you want to have the first pick in the draft because you get, to, you get to get the guy that you actually want. But there's great players from 1 through 32, and you got three picks in the top 32. So you're going to be good regardless, if you know what you're doing. I mean, it it comes down to the point point where these are professional athletes. Professional athletes do not throw in the towel unless it gets to an extreme point. And based on what Alex was saying, too, you have fun. It, It either goes two ways. You either start having fun when the season's over, or everything just goes completely sideways, and it's a chaotic locker room. And they seem to have gone the right direction. Um, some other teams, though, maybe not going in the right direction. Let's talk about some teams that are maybe have some cause for concern now. You talk about two teams that were Super Bowl finalists, you know, finalist contenders going into the season. Kansas City and L.A. Rams, they're both on very shaky ground right now. And the Dallas Cowboys are 5-4. and four. This is not a team that we expected to have four losses total on the year never mind through nine games like it, it's gotten to the point now where which of these teams has the biggest concern moving forward yeah the biggest concern there um you got to think is the cow or i'm sorry is the rams because they're probably the most unsure at quarterback right now yeah. um when jared Goff is i mean last year it was pretty much we all kind of felt like jared Goff is a system quarterback but when the system isn't working you need a guy that can be able to make plays off schedule and he just can't and uh and he's he's stuck in their ways and it also uh, looking at how um, poorly they've been running the ball with Todd Gurley. He had a good first half, and then the Steelers really bared down. And when they took away that running game, it's it was pretty much that was it for uh, Jared Goff in that offense. And how much does Sean McVay, obviously he was 
the genius of last season in terms of head coaching with how he got this team together and his offensive abilities and his play calling. How much now does he have to shoulder the blame for this? Because as you said, the quarterback play hasn't been great around him. It's been inconsistent, but he hasn't been able to adjust. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And uh, another thing, you're talking about putting a team together. If you really feel like you have Super Bowl aspirations, is Blake Bortles really the best guy to be your backup quarterback? I mean, when you see when you see when you see uh, good teams um, teams that are competing for a Super Bowl, you usually have a guy that you can trust back there. And uh, and I just don't think they QB one or QB two. This isn't going to be a Ryan Tannehill situation if it gets to that point where there's more to this offense than just Jared Goff. And you know, it's interesting. Uh, and you bring up Blake Bortles. He went third overall. Teddy Bridgewater went thirty seconds. <laughs> just 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 throwing it out there. Um, no, 100% agree. 100% agree with Alex. Uh, in addressing this question, obviously you got to think about shots at making the postseason. And the Cowboys right now, even though they're five and four, they have the same record as the Philadelphia Eagles and still have right. a matchup against them. So I think that they're in a situation where they pretty much control their own destiny. The Chiefs lead the AFC West right now. They just got Mahomes back. They didn't play bad with more. They're they lost against a Tennessee Titan team who looks to be getting better since switching to Tannehill at quarterback, so the Chiefs are still in the driver's seat. But the Rams are sitting here at 5-4 and four behind an undefeated San Francisco 49er team and a 7-2 and two Seattle Seahawks team. I don't think this is going to be looking pretty for the Rams going forward at all. Well, you got to talk about the Cowboys, though. Let's talk about them for a second because they're 5-4. and four but they have no wins against teams with above 500 records. You're going to have to do that several times over if you're going to get anywhere close to a Super Bowl, never mind the playoffs at this rate. I don't I don't worry about the Cowboys because I look at the games that, that you bring, let's say you bring up the Saints game. Um, that was a great defensive game plan. That game came down to the wire, just like the game we saw against Minnesota. Technically, if they allowed Dak Prescott to continue to do what he was doing, they win that game. Instead they had of lead. running the ball. Instead of running yeah. the ball. So, they weren't, you know, they they were in these games. It's not like they look lifeless. Even if you bring up the Jets game, they lost that game by two points. And that was a game where they had a chance to, you know, to win that game. If homeboy makes the field goal, they win by one. Um, but when you look at the Rams, you talk about the, the opening game. They could have lost to Carolina. They should have lost to the Browns. We know how that debacle ended up in that, in that ball game. That would have put them, what, on one in – five in their first game first starts and you know they got good wins against the Falcons and the Bengals and so that's the team that I think that you should worry about because they beat the Saints you know 27-9 and we know how that game played out because the touchdown gets called back Drew Brees gets knocked out Bridgewater gets thrown into the free in the mix they're the most shakiest team right now I think in the NFC out and out of the teams that we should have concerns about the Rams are, and then they have the Bears defense coming up. We know what the Bears defense did, Jerry Goff, last year. They have America's team in Baltimore in two weeks. <laughs> and then they got um, the Cardinals, Seahawks, Cowboys, 49ers, and Cardinals. I don't know about the Rams. Could be a fall from grace. And all these teams are right around the 500 mark, though. So, and honestly, anyone can turn it around, go on a run, and they're a postseason team. But there are certain teams that are already on that run that – I think there's a reason for optimism around a lot of people do. We talked about Tennessee. After making the quarterback change, they've looked much, much better going forward. Pittsburgh, my goodness, where did you know where did this come from after the first month of the season? 
And quietly, Oakland. The Raiders have put together, now that they're finally going to get some games in their actual home stadium, which the NFL doesn't want them to play in, apparently, because they're sending them to London every other week. <laughs> Who has the most reason for optimism out of those three teams? Because I, I think all three of them, at least at this point, are going to be fighting for the last wildcard spot, if not more. I think Oakland. Oakland has, to me, the most optimism. You have to have a lot of optimism about them because they already beat the Chargers. Um, and they have the Chargers remaining, and that's a you know that's a game that they can now view as winnable. Their offense is balanced; they can run the football. Derek Carr is playing really good football. Um, they're passing the ball well. He's attacking now all levels of the field, not just throwing it short. They're working intermediate deep down the field. Defensively, I still worry about them. I like how their secondary is competing. They're starting to turn the ball over. I don't think they can get pressure on a quarterback like they want to. Uh, especially when you draft a guy fourth overall in Cleveland Farrell, you expect him to be Jadevian Clowney or someone like that. He's not. Um, but with that being said, the schedule sets up nice. They have the Bengals, Jets, and the Titans, I think, is a team that they have to play, which could be for that final wild card spot in the AFC. So, And they got the Chiefs twice as well, um, or Chiefs one more time. So we'll see. But I think you have to be optimistic about what John Gruden has done out there in Oakland. And I think with Pittsburgh, too, that you talk about that, that again, this season was over for the Steelers, and Tomlin was going to be fired again. Pittsburgh fans have been wanting to do that for about a decade. Right, since uh, he got hired. So what is Pittsburgh? Obviously bringing in Minka Fitzpatrick is amazing. The U.S. military, I hear, is uh, trying to hire him to intercept missiles from North Korea <laughs> and just return them for touchdowns. He's been incredible. But this Pittsburgh team has has had so much adversity this season, and every single time they've just twisted it on its head. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, honestly, you take away those first two games, and they've looked like the Pittsburgh Steelers of old, minus yep. like the explosiveness on offense. Right. This is a team that had Ben Roethlisberger been healthy and playing to the caliber that he's capable of, this could be a team that's right there with the Ravens, around 7-2 and two at the top of the division. Um, but they're all buying it. I mean, the defense understands what they they need to step up more because Mason Rudolph is limited, um, and that offense is limited, especially with James Conner still remaining out and teams really doing everything they can to take away Juju Smith. Um, but this team, with Mike Tomlin, they're just they're buying in, and they're – that defense is one of the most talented defenses in the NFL. I think of these three teams, Pittsburgh definitely has the the most uphill battle to face here. They're five and four, sitting behind a seven and two Baltimore Ravens. They're going to be fighting for a wild card spot at best here. The Oakland Raiders, five and four, sitting behind Kansas City at six and four. I think we all can agree that Kansas City is going to get that division at the end of the day. So Oakland, they're all three of them are fighting they for the wild card spots. They, they should. should. They should. They should. Barring injuries and anything else, they should. But the Tennessee Titans, they have the Colts ahead of them with the same, uh, almost the same. Tennessee's five and five. Colts are five and four. Texans are six and three. But Tennessee has a legit shot, if all goes well for them and they get enough dubs, of being able to still win this division. They've been playing way better. They've only lost by two scores, I think, two times this year out of the five out of the five losses. They have a good game plan. We've seen it from a number of teams. Good defense, running the ball this season is their game plan with the quarterback just managing the game pretty much. And that's what this Tennessee team is doing. So of these three teams, I, th- I like Tennessee. I can see that for sure. I mean, the, defensively, they are fired up now. But after they made that quarterback change, as much as we like to rag on Brian Tannehill... The system has worked. The system has worked much better in Tennessee. There's actually some hope there for the first time in maybe half a decade. Uh, So we'll keep an eye on that. 
It's time for now, folks, it's time for what all of you came to listen to on podcast, and that is ranting. Ranting, raving, anger, disgust. It's time for the one take segment where all of us will go around the room and just lay into somebody, something, or someone about what they are doing wrong, which could be everything. So, Emery, I know as much as you want to do this against me, which you always do on the FCS podcast anyway, who is your one take, sir? And what are you targeting this week? What is my one take? Is grammatically correct, <laughs> David Hashagen. Uh But it's not. But the buildup is, you know, is a letdown. Uh, it's not like a rant in my traditional sense, but it's just an observation. You know, I was covering the Jets Giants game, and widely entertaining. You know, um, wildly entertaining. It was going back and forth, and I came to the realization that you know, as much as we talk about comparisons and, and things of that nature, coming out of college, I compared Sam Darnold to Tony Romo. Um, because of his athleticism, his ability to escape and make these off-platform throws, and his propensity to be afraid versus pressure. <laughs> so, yeah. and for Daniel Jones, I compared his game to Ryan Tannehill. Very good athleticism. Deep ball accuracy I'm not a fan of. Intermediate accuracy is where it needs to, is where he has success. Holds on to the ball extremely too long and takes a lot of sacks. Boom. Fair so, enough. But when you watch both these guys play, you're like, man, they are essentially the same guy. Like watching Sam Darnold and uh, Daniel Jones, they both don't handle pressure well. Now, Darnold tends to get happy feet and the ball comes out any type of way versus pressure. Jones is just oblivious. He's like the guy that's sleeping through a parade. Like <laughs> You're like, bro, you don't hear that noise outside? You don't hear this, the buses barreling down on the apartment complex and you're knocked out? That's Daniel Jones. He ends up getting knocked out and loses the football. So I think, I don't know if it's a positive or a negative, because a Jets fan or a Giants fan, I think, this morning asked me if if that's something that they, they can get out of and they can, does that mean they're going to be good or is it going to be bad? Like, to be honest, I think it's just kind of what they are. And you have to find ways to overcompensate that. And if you're the Giants, you have to hope Saquon Barkley gets back to 100%, because I still don't think he's at 100% um, running the football. They don't have the the threats out there on the perimeter, although he has a great chemistry, uh, develop, develop a great chem- chemistry with um, Slayton. Um, they don't have a tight end that they can count on because Ingram is hurt often. Um, so as the talent gets around Daniel Jones, they'll be talented, but then you still have to worry about whether Jones can protect the football. Can he feel pressure? Will they try to use his athleticism? For the Jets, they have talent. They have you know, Le'Veon Bell, who's not – having a, a great year because of the offensive line. I, I'll, I'll give them that. Um, they got receivers they can count on. Demarius Thomas you know, has played well. Crowder has been their number one guy to me. They just can't connect with Robbie Anderson con- consistently because Donald is starting to focus more on the pressure than he is downfield. So I think the Jets have pieces, but Donald's struggles versus pressure and turnovers is what has kept them you know, pretty much uh, driving in neutral. So I don't know if they're going to be great. I, I know they won't be great, but can they be winning quarterbacks? Possibly. You know, they can help you win games, but I just don't know if they can do that at a consistent basis because you can't trust inconsistency. Well, remember, there's, and according to most Giants fans, there's nothing wrong with Daniel Jones. It's the third string left tackle that's right. the biggest issue that's allowing him to get hit and not absorb the pressure. Well, here's the thing, too. So far in, what, uh, 19 games... Sam Darnold has 
24 interceptions in nine games or eight games. Well, nine games. He played a half a series right. against, which is interesting. He played at the, for the last part of the Cowboys game in the opener. So in nine games, Daniel Jones has eight interceptions. They both have two rushing touchdowns, about 200 yards. But here's the thing. You look at fumbles, and that's the other, that's the other part of the, the equation. When you look at uh, Daniel Jones has what? Three. Uh, now i got to count this up because they didn't tally it up. <laughs> but Daniel Jones has 13 fumbles, which leads the NFL. Damn. 13 fumbles. That doesn't mean fumbles lost. Now he's recovered two of them, but 13 fumbles. And Sam Darnold, in his in his defense so far, has what? Um, tally up his numbers. He has, in his career, eight fumbles. So, so, 32 turnovers for Darnold, 23 turnovers for Daniel Jones. In less than half a season. So, how can you trust those that put the ball in harm's way? I can't, but I just noticed that both of these guys are the same player, in my opinion. Take it for what, it, what, for what you want. I think they're similar. They have similar like the similar issues. They, uh, I mean, I think um, Daniel Jones has a, uh, I'm not going to say his better pocket presence, but he, I think he delivers a better football from out of the pocket than, than Sam Darnold. But Sam does make those off-schedule plays a little bit better. We saw uh, yesterday a couple of those throws where he was falling over and he threw dimes. Um, and I think what's, what's tough, uh, what you're seeing between both teams um, as far as their offensive line play has been concerned is that you're seeing the worst of them. And you're seeing the worst of Daniel Jones. And like you said, his issues were are um, he holds on to the ball too long. He's trying to process things. I'm not sure if it's just not processing quick quick enough or if he's also concerned with that there's pressure and I just he, he pretty much freezes. And with Darnold, he almost has that, and Jets fans are going to cringe, but it, he almost has that Sanchez-like feel to him when pressure comes that he feels like he needs to make a play no matter what rather than throw it away live to play another down it almost seems like i need to make a play because we're just not making enough plays and i think that's where where they differ um but as far as uh overall watching their talent like their talent their skill level um they are similar i do think sam's a little bit more talented still but it's it's much closer than i think uh you would have thought looking at the 2018 draft than looking at the 2019 draft on to on to on to my take Sounds like Troy's got something to get off his chest here. He don't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, Dave, you said typical Giants fans say that nothing's wrong with um, Daniels, uh, Daniel Jones. There's a lot of things wrong with his play right now. A lot of things. My biggest, my biggest factor is you don't see pressure from your front side. As an NFL quarterback, typically it's like, okay, your blind side is the most important part. Mm -hmm. But when you got Jamal Adams screaming to you two times in the game from your front side and you don't see it and you allow him to rip it out your hand and take it to the house like that, as an NFL quarterback, that's totally unacceptable. Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones are similar players, yes. Talent-wise, Daniel Jones looks like he has a better ball, but it's still way too early to even tell any of it. You know what I can't tell? I think both are better than Mason Rudolph. Like, Mason Rudolph looks completely lost in the pocket. I mean, Mason Rudolph wasn't a first-rounder. That's true. He's, he's a flyer, pretty much, for the uh, Pittsburgh he was, Steelers. He was a project. These guys are supposed to be the 
right away come in and change my franchise. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Although like, one outlet had Mason Rudolph as their QB1, but we won't name <laughs> that <one. laughs> But go ahead. Yeah, like I said, Mason Rudolph was a flyer. Um, for for what he's been asked of, I, I think he's he's fared pretty well. I mean, I'm not I can't knock him. You know, he was he wasn't asked to come in and change my franchise around from day one. He was asked to come in and keep us stable until Big Ben comes back, and I think that's exactly what he's done. Alex, what do you get into uh, yours? What's your one take for this week? My one take is that Emery touched a little bit of it. Um, not saying his name, but I'm going to say his name. I think the Dallas Cowboys have a Kellen Moore problem. I th- I think interesting. I think the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you look at it, and I'm looking at a five and four team. I'm looking at a team that hasn't beat a team when they played them, like you said, that has been above 500. But I'm looking at the skill level of all these players, and I'm like, it's. I want to say maybe they're overrated, but I don't think they are. I think everybody's rated. They're top five, probably top two offensive line. They're they have one of the better uh, younger, well not younger, but one of the better young quarterbacks in the NFL. They have top three running back. They have overall top five or six defense. Why isn't this team winning? Defense, for the most part, is doing their job. I didn't like that they didn't stop Dalvin Cook, but not a lot of teams have stopped Dalvin Cook this year. Um, but when it came down to it, you, uh, Emery alluded to it um, earlier on, Dak's doing his thing. But Kellen Moore and company seem to be so hell-bent on making them a run-first, Zeke-first team. Dak was throwing his way up the field. And his receivers, to even credit, Cooper and uh, Gallup are creating the separation over Rhodes and... Uh, uh, blanking on the other uh, corner for the Vikings, but Mike Hughes, Hughes, and they were just they were just. I mean, how many times did I watch a comeback that it was just wide open, Dak doing his thing, and then they get down into the red zone and it's give the ball to Zeke, give the ball to Zeke, give the ball to Zeke, as if that was working at all in the game. Zeke had 40 total rushing yards in the game, um, and he put Dak and the offense in a tough situation. And watching that game, uh, Mike Zimmer on fourth down changes the defense up to his zone um, when they've been running man the entire way up and. Um, Dak had to make a really impossible throw up the sideline that Barr Bar made a nice play. But I feel like had they just let Dak continue to run the offense um, and do his thing and keep the ball in his hands, I think they had a shot to win that game. Very interesting you say that because earlier when Emery did make the point of why were they giving Zeke the ball down in the red zone, the thought ran through my head that in the NFL, not only do you develop as a player with time, but you also have to develop as a coordinator. And this is Kellen Moore's first season right. as coordinator. But one thing I will say is that over the past few seasons, we've never seen the Cowboys offense this explosive as it is this season. So I, I can't knock him too much. Yes, you're going to have your trials and errors throughout the year. But I, I at the end of the day, I, stu- I do feel that Kellen Moore is the right guy for this job. Yeah, but when you look at it, to me, like he came on the scene because they had that really soft schedule in the beginning, and they took care of those three teams. Kellen Moore was brand new; can't really keep game plan for somebody you don't know about. And now teams are start the the good teams that are above five hundred are starting to game plan for it, and it doesn't seem like he can adjust. I agree. There's got to be some sort of you got to give this guy a chance to grow. He's learning on the job. It's his first year, but as it stands right now, he's as much as he was given all the credit, and people weren't giving Dak and that offense all the credit they were giving the majority of it to Kellen Moore he deserves the criticism when it's the same situation and it's not going their way I think that when we talked about you talked about you know quarterbacks you know first round quarterbacks talking about you're supposed to come in and change the franchise when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys no matter who it is they bring in whether it's a coach a player a GM you are brought in to immediately make the Cowboys a Super Bowl contender that is the expectation put upon you so in terms of Kellen Moore, the criticism should be leveled to him. The expectation should be leveled to him. But I think the expectation level of Cowboys fans needs to be lowered. And it, until they do that, 
no one's ever going to be right until they find some miracle formula on a shot in the dark that gets them another Super Bowl title. Absolutely, and honestly, this this offense when they got Cooper last year and they and they gave Dak a little bit, you know, gave him a weapon. Um, and before Gallup, he was often injured, and then but like he was still as a rookie, was still trying to make his way in, into the NFL. Um, they they started to become explosive down the end uh, down the stretch. Now you as a as an organization, Jerry Jones has decided that Kellen Moore needs to be the guy now when you have Super Super Bowl aspirations. It's a little bit of that if this goes if this can, if he does continues to not adjust and grow in this role, some of this has to fall on the organization because you're built to win a Super Bowl this year with all the contracts and all the issues that they're having. Everybody is on board right now. You know what? You know what's interesting about that, and um, because it's funny when when he started to struggle offensively, all you heard was, "Man, Jason Garrett was taking back over the offense." Like so, they started <laughs> to blame Jason Garrett. They was trying to absolve uh, Kellen Moore from the criticism that she talked about. So I agree with you. Like he has to be because they didn't want to give the credit to Dak for playing great. Right. It was because Kellen Moore's offense. We see this with Lamar Jackson. It's because you know the Ravens are. Building around him and they're developing a scheme that nobody else is. No, all they're doing is running the ball. Like, they're running the Louisville, the, they're running the Louisville offense. Exactly. It's, it's four, the, five they're years running, now. blocking, and tackling, and then throwing the ball. Like they're not doing anything. Like they're not running triple options. So, um, but you're right. He has to be able to, you know, take some of that criticism that comes with that position. Troy, you got anything to add on yours? Just my hot take. And oh, it's a hot take. It's not one take. It's a one hot take, hot take. No, it's probably a hot take. take. Is it a flambe one take? take? It's probably a hot take. It's a mild, no, medium, or medium hot take. I call it a one take. My one take is, what is, like, I don't understand what is up with this Atlanta Falcons team. I don't get it. Like, prior to this season, you were a dumpster fire last year because of all your talent. You continue to be that this season, and then you come out here and you shut down one of the hottest teams in the NFL. You haven't been getting to the quarterback all year, and you come out here and you sack Drew Brees all these times. And not only did you beat them, you beat them 26 to 9. You you routed them. I would call that a route in the NFL. I think a blowout is anything 17 or more in the NFL, and they beat them by 17. Yes, it's a quote-unquote rivalry, if you want to call it that. Yes, it's a rivalry. Yes, it's a divisional game. Fair for a game. <laughs> I understand you stepping up to the measure, but where did this come from, them blowing them out like this? Dan Quinn was on the hot seat before this game, and I think that this game is going to get him a little bit more leeway that he doesn't deserve at the end of the day because this offense is way too talented. This defense has talented pieces, but this team is way too talented to have been 1-7 coming into this game. And this game is an anomaly. I don't know where it came from. Man, and when you do one poll, and all of a sudden, I, I mean, I did, I did see Troy earlier this weekend. Though he was in a bus driver's uniform, so maybe that's why he's <laughs> he's throwing you underneath it as as we go along here. But no, you, you're right. That this Falcons team is is very hard to figure. You you literally took all of your assistant coaches, shuffled them up, did like a secret Santa. Oh, let's see what you're getting. You're getting running backs coach this week, and yet it worked. Somehow it worked, and you, to back off of that with the, with the Saints, there's only one team this year that's a top team that doesn't have a bad loss, and that's New England. They lost to Baltimore. Every other good team that's like, okay, they are a favorite to win the NFC, win the AFC, they've lost to a team where you're like, wait. Except for the Niners. Well, I mean, it's all it's all due, <laughs> though, isn't it? It's all due, isn't it? Because everybody's doing it at this point. But they don't, in terms of the teams that actually have a loss, Patriots are it. 
every other good team has got a, a game where you don't realize, like, wait, how did they lose to that team? And it's just, it, it's turning this NFL season into one that you can't predict. It's just absolutely bizarre. With that said, let's get into previews. About- hold up, hold up. Uh, because <laughs> you're, I mean, that's why I don't get why people are calling for uh, Quinn's job. Like, Quinn is not a bad coach. No. They were in the Super no. Bowl a couple of years ago. Like, he obviously knows what he's doing. They were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Why were they in the Super Bowl? Yeah, Shanahan was yes. was was the coordinator, but ah, Shanahan is. is you know. As soon as Shanahan left, what happened to that offense? True, Shanahan. They still they still produce though. The offense still produced, and Shanahan was also the same coordinator that didn't run the ball when they were trying to yeah. close out that ball game. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> and so I, I think Quinn is a good coach. I I don't, I, hope, I don't think they're going to fire him. I think he's going to you know stick around for one more. Arthur Blank doesn't seem like that guy. Because the last guy they had was a good coach. They stuck with him throughout, Mike Smith. And he did great things for them as well. I think they, they're on to something with Quinn. Quinn is just having a they, – they, there's it's a personnel issue, I think, on the field that they're having. Their offensive line that they drafted to, to beat uh, the, the show up that, that front, they've been injured. Um, and so, you know, I think they'll, I think they'll give him another, another year. Let's get into week 11 now, guys, and let's start with the Thursday night game. Cleveland, they've got a winning, they've got a, a win finally they can be proud of. They're back at home this week, short week against a surging Pittsburgh Steelers team. What are we looking for here? Looking for the Browns to now utilize even more Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield. You saw to see a lot of, a lot of it last game, and it was working. I like how Kareem Hunt looked in his first game back. Can they do that? And can they put a ton of pressure on Mason Rudolph? Let's move on now to Texans taking on the Ravens. No one seems to be able to stop Baltimore at this point. The Texans now have a defense that is, you know, definitely less than par. Can they slow down Baltimore enough to can they can win this game? This is going to be a great matchup, possibly game of the week here. You have two teams who have two explosive quarterbacks, two quarterbacks who right now are in top four of the MP MVP race. This game should be explosive across the board. Make sure you tune in if you can. We move now to Charlotte, North Carolina. The Falcons taking on the Panthers. Panthers looked decent against Green Bay, couldn't get the job done. Now they got a Falcons team who's going to have a little bit of confidence, at least going into this one critical matchup in division. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot about this Falcons team this week now uh, with the shuffling of the coaches and that big win against the Saints. Can they keep it rolling against a Panthers team that's sort of reeling right now? Speaking of teams that are reeling, the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Detroit Lions at four field. If the Cowboys lose this game, do we have to seriously consider that the Cowboys have a major problem? Detroit has a losing record, right? They sure. just spend this entire podcast but talking they, about the Cowboys. But they do have a very good defense, Detroit does. But they, they have what will probably end up being a hurt Matt Stafford or Jeff Driscoll. So if the Cowboys, to your point, lose this game, then yes, you have to be concerned about them. But I think because this game happens at the same time as the Eagles game, it's going to be a little bit scoreboard watching from the Cowboys and trying to make sure they keep pace with what Philly's doing. Because now their loss to Minnesota just – brought Philly back into the conversation. Cowboys are doing their best to keep everybody in the conversation, including the Giants somehow. Jaguars taking on the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. Two teams that are barely treading water at this point. The question is, will Jacoby Brissett be back for the Colts? Jaguars look like they're maybe trending the right direction, maybe not. It's going to be an interesting game. A lot of feeling out in this one. Yeah, if you would ask me two weeks ago the winner for this matchup, I would have said Colts hand down. 
hands down. But with the questionability of uh, Jacoby Brissett and the performance of the Colts last week, taking into consideration that the Jags had two weeks to prepare for this, this is going to be a good divisional matchup, a tight one. It's going to determine pretty much the second, second or third seed in the division. Talk about games that were probably easy to predict about three weeks ago that aren't anymore. Buffalo at Miami. The Bills now are starting to slip away. They have to try to get a couple wins in a row to keep pace for that wild card spot in the AFC. The Dolphins, winners of two straight. Can they make it three? The uh, Bills are in the part of their schedule where they're playing a lot of sub-500 teams where they need to take care of these teams in order to keep pace for that wild card spot. Uh, but you're playing a Dolphins team that's just playing with, with reckless abandon. They just don't care. They don't yep. care to the point where about outside noise. They're having fun like we mentioned. Um, they're going to Miami. And Ryan Fitzpatrick will love nothing more than to get a win and uh, hurt the Bills' playoff chances. Minnesota Vikings now seven and three. They return home off a big win, but they're no longer they're not playing in prime time this week, so they're vulnerable. They take on the Denver Broncos. How do we see this one going forward? Well, this is an interesting matchup because the Broncos' defense, I think, is still pretty good, even with the injuries that they have, uh, you know, this season on the side of the ball. We'll find out a lot about Brandon Allen, you know, and how he'll do against a better defense than he faced in Cleveland. So I think this will be more about Brandon Allen as opposed to uh, the Vikings at all. The Saints go back on the road for this week. They're going to be looking for answers, but against a Tampa Bay team where we've seen it this year, they can either be blown out or they can keep pace with anybody in terms of offense. This could be a, a shootout here. Bruce Arians is one of the best coaches in the NFL, I feel. And they, the Saints just laid out the blueprint of how to defeat them last week. The Bucks are a team who, yeah, like you said, have been in shootouts, but have been pretty much tight in almost all their matchups. I think this is going to be a lot closer game than what people might expect. We move now to Landover, Maryland. The Jets coming off that win over the Giants, taking on the Washington Redskins, who have looked hapless again this season. The question is, do the Jets keep up the momentum on defense that we saw from last week? I can't tell which team is in a worse situation as far as an organization goes. Like this, this is the Spider-Man meme right here. But, uh, um, no, this is a game that the Jets need. To, I mean, coming off, you could call it a big win against the Giants. This is a game that you need to take care of. You're just better than this team. Um, and I'm not sure what the quarterback situation is for Washington, but uh, uh, it shouldn't matter with the talent that the Jets have. Let's move back to Santa Clara. The 49ers taking on the Cardinals. Again, a matchup between one and two picks. 49ers took care of business the first time around. The Cardinals still showing some signs that they could be a dangerous team. No one to talk about how great, I don't want to say great, but how good of uh, development we're seeing from Kyle Murray. He's been playing really good football, so yeah. I think the, the Cardinals have something there. Um, and it's going to be fun to you know see these guys continue to develop. And what will be interesting is, you know, I saw people talking about how uh, David Johnson just looks like he, he's running like 2018 Rob Gronkowski, um, yeah. <laughs> which is which is pretty true. But they have some explosives now in the backfield with, um, you know, Drake and, and Edmonds when he gets back fully healthy. So I, I'm excited to see how this game happens because this is a, what, two weeks ago they played each other? Yeah. So the amount of adjustments and new things we'll see – I think you're going to be in for another entertaining game because of how quickly they, the rematch happens and how quickly these teams will turn things around and adjust and change up the whole game plan that we saw two weeks ago. Let's move now to Oakland. The Raiders again, as we said. Reasons for optimism going forward at this point. They take on the 0-9 Bengals. Raiders could find themselves at 6-4, and but can the Bengals finally get their first win? Is this a team they can pick off? 
last week when the Bengals started Finley, I don't think that he did a terrible job in his first NFL start outside yeah. of his turnovers. It's going to be interesting to see how he what he does this week against the Raiders. But this Raiders team, the development that they've had this season, um, mind you, the offense is doing very well with Josh Jacobs running the ball. And this is with their number one wide receiver being their tight end. The Raiders, their production and their development this season is very well, has gone very well. And this one, I'd look for them to continue to roll over the Bengals. Moved down to the city of brotherly love. The Eagles hosting the Patriots. Pat's coming off a bye week. You know they're going to be ready for this one. Eagles, though, this is a must win with Dallas continuing to struggle. This should be a really, really fun game to watch. Uh, two teams with uh, the Eagles have a little bit more of an explosive offense, but we all know about that New England defense. But you said uh, you said it. The biggest point is um, the Patriots coming off a bye week. That should play well into their hand. Talk about teams desperate for a win. You got it here on Sunday Night Football at the L.A. Coliseum. Bears taking on the Rams. Sean McVay might have to start looking over his shoulder about his job if they do not beat this Chicago team. There you go again. Like the, the man was in the Super Bowl last year. You say he's going to have to start looking at his job. I'm just saying that's what the sources are saying, that there's some question marks. The sources were also all weekends hashtag fire saving. Right. Like, so, <laughs> well, no, the, the, those are not legitimate sources. I'm talking about legitimate sources that are saying that the Rams could Stop, Dave. Who, who should be in trouble is Jared Goff. Because yes. how he does versus these defenses that can really get after you, it's like he is the worst. And we know the Bears' defense is still one of the best defenses in the, in the league. So we'll learn a lot about that young man in this game again. Let's go now to Monday night. We'll get a take from everybody on this last game. From the Estadio Azteca in Mexico City, the L.A. Chargers hosting the Kansas City Chiefs charges are the home team. We know they like to step up in big moments. They step up to the competition, but the Chiefs now are desperate to get some kind of win on the board. It'll be interesting to see. Alex, what are you watching for in this game? I'm looking for Philip Rivers to not turn the ball over three times. I mean, your, t- <laughs> season, your season's on the line. You're going at the Chiefs defense that has been struggling. Uh, this is a game for the Chargers that they, they're going to need to, no matter what, if they're going to be in a shootout if they, have, they want a chance to win this game. Um, Chargers defense two weeks ago looked very good against the Packers and then kind of had a setback last week with the Raiders. Um, so it depends on which Chargers team wants to show up. But if the right Chargers team shows up, this could be a really fun game. Troy, what are you looking at for this one? I mean, the Chargers are technically home, but this is a away game for both teams. The Chargers, let's be honest, play, used to a, that. play an away game <laughs> even when they're quote-unquote at home. Uh, constantly saying that they play to the level, and it just proves the whole season that they play to their opponent's level. Divisional game, it should be a shootout. It's going to be a good one regardless. I see it going down to the wire. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game because the Chargers are, you know, we talk about all the time how they play the same game every week. Is it going to be the same game? So this is going to be a very exciting game. Hopefully the field is in better condition because remember they had the last yeah. year they had the whole issue yeah. uh-huh. with the field. So we'll see. Um, but this one. If you're a punter, and I'm pretty sure the Chiefs still have a cold quit, right? With the elevation there, these the, the yards per attempt on these punts are going to be ridiculous. And the chances for a 65-yard field goal are exactly. astronomical in this right. game. Before we talk about, the, we wrap up the podcast here, the dust is settled now on week 11. What is the headline we will see at the end of next weekend, Emery? Bengals stripes taken by Raiders. Ah. That's a nice. That's a nice little because because the stripes stripped off and the Raiders they raid and so Bengals stripes taken by Raiders. Alex, 
Oh, you're coming to me now? Oh, man. Hey, Troy's throwing your, everybody under the bus. He pointed at you. It's <laughs> messed up. <laughs> I mean, I got more if you want. I could I could toss another one if you need a little you, bit you more You got the time. whole newspaper? You got the little got, sidebar story? Yeah, I got going? a sidebar story. Fins circle the wagons against... Buffalo. Ooh, See, like these are all these are these are amazing headlines here. This is messed up. <laughs> you want another one? America wins in Philly. Oh, this oh see, I was gonna take that game. Ah, uh, see, that's that's you still can't because think about it because you got the Eagles, ball Eagles. So you don't know who I'm talking about. You got the Patriots, Patriots. You got the Eagles with the you know the American symbol. So America wins in Philly. So see, you don't I, know which one it is. See, I've, I've except America the, doesn't like any of these teams. They had a whole SNL skit to say how much we hate both of you. That's how bad it's. <laughs> uh, mine's coming more from the business pages than it is from the sports pages. Jets to move to NFC East, declared champions after beating Washington. Wow. I believe that's what's going to happen, and that's what they wow, should they, do. Wow, they, they did it. beat they Cowboys beat the and Cowboys and the Giants. That's and their Darnold, two wins. And Darnold wasn't there for the uh, – it was an ugly game against the Eagles. Wow. So – they're moving to the NFC East. They're winning the division. <laughs> we're going to the postseason, and we're winning the Super Bowl by not playing the Patriots. There we go. <laughs> Man. Y'all still striking over there? Yeah, I'm right. I don't know. I, well, I mean, I, we're trying to come up with some witty stuff yeah, now. Yeah, like, yeah, like, well, that's what here. we're talking about. That's, that's, <laughs> you're thought, setting the bar here. <laughs> Every has once again stolen the thunder. He did this on the FCS he Opening Drive podcast, which, by the way, you can also find on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just subscribe to Football Game Plan while you're in the podcast section. Since we're in the mode of giving people uh, time to figure out what they're going to do with their life <laughs> and throwing ads out there. Go-Go offense is still in effect. The last two, they've won two games, William and Mary. Hey. Explosive offense. They threw up a 50-burger this week. Last week, they ran for over 500-something yards. Um, you can get your copy of the book at footballgameplan.com slash go-go offense. Texans ground the Ravens. That's the best I got. Ground? Yeah. Ravens I mean, fly. They, they ground okay, the Ravens. Okay. okay. I mean, that, okay. That, that, that's not I would have went with clip. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Oh, my bad, Emery. You know my saying? bad. Like, Mr. <laughs> Professional. <laughs> All right. Mine sucks, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a good start to anything right there. Mine sucks. Well, it sets the expectations really okay, low. Yeah, you right, know right. What I'm yeah, true. No folds, no problem for uh, for Philly. Ah. Uh, Who they play? Play in New England. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. See? Okay, see? Okay, You're okay, expecting okay, shit. That's that one, one took you guys a little bit. I had that one all the way. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That, that was actually a good one. Right, yeah, that was actually, okay, cool. I take my time, but it's pretty when it comes out. <laughs> see, we got we, we have to give you about two weeks warning before we do headlines again. We're finding that out right away. But still not bad. Folks, that'll do it for the NFL All 32 podcast. Don't forget, you can watch the NFL All 32 TV show if you are on Optum in the New York metropolitan area on the Game Plus network. You can check out all of our predictions from myself and Emery about all the games there. Who Emery is now going for a snack break here in the middle of a podcast. Just because we're getting close to the end of the fourth quarter doesn't mean you quit here. Come on now. That, 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 that's Bush League. You guys don't even like chocolate and peanut butter. Remember? Get him. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> See, that's messed up. All right, that, that, that's, all right, I'll give him that one. You've you, you been thrown under the bus this whole time with that poll that was a Bush League poll, too. So <laughs> you might as well throw us underneath the bus for one of them, at least. That'll do it for the podcast, folks. Thanks for listening in. For Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, the Tsar of the Playbook, Emery Hunt, this has been David Hassagan. Thanks for listening in.